surprise, motherfucker. Damn. Oh, you All right, welcome in, everybody. This is the Philly Experience Podcast, along with Tyler Hood, Tanner Gil Martin. My name is Max Gretzula, and we have a ton to get into this week. So much going on in the NFL, a ton going on with the Sixers in the NBA. And, of course, the MLB lockout as well has ended. So we're going to try to fly through this as quickly as we can, get to everything, and not have to push things down the road until next week. But, guys, of course, we want to start with the Sixers, right? That was probably the biggest thing that happened in Philadelphia sports this week, specifically with the Sixers, and Benson is making his return to Philadelphia. Uh, but it didn't go the way that we expected. In my opinion, that sucked. It did suck overall. It did. Social media was going crazy. James, he was out after the game with a little baby. Travis Scott having some fun at a birthday party. So, you know, overall reactions to Harden, his play. But not only that, Simmons just not seem to be affected at all by the crowd. I mean, well, when you're getting your ass, when you, you're handing out ass, your team is handing out ass whoopings, you don't have to worry about the crowd. Like, I'm sorry. He, he, he knew what the hell he was coming back to. Let's be honest here. I mean, shoot, he was prepared for it. He was talking shit on Barstool Philly. You know, Barstool Philly, they put out a post, you know, basically saying that, you know, they anticipate Ben Simmons come back, and then Ben Simmons responds with, he can't wait. He, he knew what the hell he was walking into. Unfortunately, everybody expected, including us, we expected the Sixers to actually show up, and they didn't. I mean, that that for me, that was the most disappointing part of the night. The only person that showed up was Embiid. I don't know where the hell everybody else was. Harden playing horrible. Maxie didn't get the ball. Hell, Harris had a little bit of a showing, but he didn't get the ball enough. I've got, unfortunately, this Nets game revealed some serious flaws in this Sixers team. You know, everybody after the trade was talking about championship, and the Sixers are going, oh, right, the Sixers in for the championship. I wasn't ready to Sixers say that. Are going all the way. Yeah. We're going to the finals. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily ready to say that. I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh, yeah, we're going to the chip. Like, everybody needs to relax. I mean, James Harden has this reputation, unfortunately, of coming up short in the big game. And we saw it just yeah. <laughs> this past Thursday. So there's some things that they need to get worked out. I mean, there's still chemistry issues that still needs to be worked out. So for people, you know, penciling in a championship, I'm going to need everybody to relax your expectations. Now, do I expect them in the next game? What tomorrow? The yeah, they play tomorrow. Do I expect them to come out and play the same way? Hell no. They're going to come out on fire. So, you know, this was just a one game thing. It did raise some concerns, but if you think for one second that this team is still going to, you know, just plow their way to a championship this year, you got nothing coming. Yeah, I'm going to use the same word as relax in saying relax about this Nets game. It was a wake-up call, a huge wake-up call, 29-point loss. Um, when you have guys like Harden, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, you don't expect to lose by 29 points, even to a powerful Nets team like that. What we're, One thing that does worry me, though, is that Ben Simmons did not play, and there was still this big of a route. Um, even so, but this was not a playoff game. I know we went into it as Sixers fans, uh, with playoff atmosphere, uh, aspirations with it's, it's the Nets, but this is completely different than a seven game series. Um, and Ben Simmons was affected by the crowd. He most definitely was, he was getting on the bus. It wasn't even at Wells Fargo yet. And there was crowds waiting for him, booing him, uh, while he quick had to get into the bus. And even in the tunnel under Wells Fargo when he was walking, there was TMZ-style questions thrown at him um, while he was walking into the locker room. I mean, can you really be scared when you're behind guys like Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin and yeah. there's just reporters throwing questions at you? No, he's not going to lose his cool then. He's just walking right into the locker room. He came out with the ball on the court earlier. He was getting booed, but then he dunked and fans were cheering him on. Um, I think it, it was sort of like it's a cat and mouse kind of game with the crowd and Ben Simmons, and he was just sitting there with his ugly ass outfit on. All right, on hold the on, bench. hold on, Tanner. Why is and everybody ripping the outfit? I thought the outfit was fly. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know why everybody's was, ripping the outfit. It was ugly. Too. I, I'm gonna need you um, to put your hate to the side. We'll anyway, anyway, this was not a playoff game. All right, carry on. They needed this loss. 
because they can't expect to just, as you said, look, fly through the rest of this schedule. James Harden played I awful. I, I'm thinking he was just focused on that that uh, that record. Or after the game, he was like, well, I can go out and party because, you know, third all time now. So, I mean, he, he the way he played, definitely concerning. But once again, just relax. This right. is not a playoff game. Yeah, I think I think I'm kind of splitting down the middle here because on one hand, you're right. It's not a playoff game. It's one game. Uh, you know, Seth Curry just for whatever reason could not miss a shot. We know that he's hot and cold at times. Listen, he's a good player, but I don't think he's going to shoot like he does like that every single game. I mean, he didn't miss a single bucket for the most part. I feel like out there watching him. Uh, but Andre Drummond, you know, he was shaken up at that ankle injury, but. For the most part, he just was a big body in, inside. And I'm not saying he played amazing defense, but it was an issue. Embiid, listen to you said that he showed up to play. He shot five of 17 from the field. I mean, to me, that's pretty shitty. You know, he got to the free throw line a ton. That's where all his points came from for the most part. You know, he finished with 27. He was the only one that played. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And that's the problem. You know, losing by 29 points, Harden three is 17. But overall, I feel like most of the team, even Embiid, he might have tried to be doing too much. But for this one game, you, this is a wake-up call in the sense that people forgot with Kevin Durant's injury that kept him out for months and months that he's still arguably the best player in the world right now today. And for him, Curry and Irving all to split around 25 to 24 points uh, in that game specifically, Kyrie Irving got the better at James Harden both on the offensive end and the defensive end. I got a report that came out uh, probably after the game. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Uh, one of the main things that – caused the breakdown in Brooklyn uh, between Kyrie and Harden was that Kyrie would always beat Harden and pick up in one-on-one, you know, after the game was over. Harden, apparently, and this is just a rumor, Harden apparently got frustrated and Kyrie called Harden washed. And I think in this sense, Kyrie, we didn't see ever, ever see this kind of defensive intensity before from Kyrie. We know that he's a great offensive skilled player, but when have we ever seen him give 110% effort on a defensive man throughout? So it might've been a personal thing for Kyrie, and Harden just did not look himself whatsoever. I think the more concerning thing was for this game, it's like Harden's that leader, and when he struggles, it feels like the rest of the team did as well. Maxi, this is a guy that we've all seen put up 20 to 30 points a night. And where was he at? I mean, it, he was airballed like two or three shots. I mean, he just did not. I can't remember six are going to blow out the Magic Seahawks actually around, but it's frustrating overall. Can't be getting a little shippy as well. That was pretty cool to see. Yeah, and just real quick, Maxi with four points, two of seven. Um, and how do we feel about Tobias Harris? Because you go back games and games where it's just like, why is Tobias Harris still on this team? Why do we have to deal with him for another, um, season? He wasn't dealt at the trade deadline, obviously, but then in this Nets game, four of five from the perimeter. I mean, that's the, the player, the type of shots he was taking, is the type of shots we expected Tobias Harris to be taking this entire season and his performance that, but he's so inconsistent and I'm hoping these rumors for this next off season. I don't want to talk about the off season yet because we still have this team um, with promising hopes, but it it makes you wonder, is it going to be worth it next off season um, depending on what kind of player they bring in? I mean, this is a short window. We talk about the age of James mm-hmm. Harden mm-hmm. and um, the play that just now we witnessed him talk. Um, we were talking about, but oh man, dude, that's a great question. Yeah, it definitely is. It is. It is. When we've touched on that, we've touched about the window that James Harden has. We've touched on the window that Joel Embiid has, and it. There's a lot of things that concern me about that game, Max. You, you, you talked about you know James Harden not stepping up. For me, the thing that stood out the most was that Doc Rivers did not adjust the game plan. The game plan has been get the ball to Harden and B through the pick and roll. Let those two work off the pick and roll. If teams trap it, pass out of it to the open man. That's been the strategy for their 4-0 and perfect record before the Nets game. They completely shut that down. And instead of Doc Rivers figuring out and seeing that, he continued to go with that strategy and he did not, he did not adjust. And for me, that's a huge concern because Tobias Harris was four for five. And I understand that Harris has been very inconsistent for the past couple of seasons, 
But in the Nets game, it seemed like he had something going. It seemed like you could have got yeah, him back. Yeah, he was hot. Four and or then, five from deep. He looked a little bit more assertive. And then we talked about Seth Curry. Seth Curry was guarding Tyrese Maxey. Why the hell was not Maxey moving around the perimeter more to tire Seth Curry out? When you tire Curry out on the defensive side, he's less likely to shoot, to continue to consistently shoot that three. Let me ask you this question. Do you think if you could take the trade back in this sense and give them a T-Stiebel and keep Seth Curry, would you do that? No. Did you still need that perimeter defense in this it's what this team I is know, lacking. But see, dude, Sadiable is just so ass offensively. The thing about the thing for me is that you have enough offensive weapons. You have enough guys that can do something with, and shoot the ball. I need somebody on the defensive side of the ball. Matisse is that guy where he doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands to be effective. His defensive presence is enough. I think if Seth Curry was still here, you'd have five guys fighting for the ball, trying to figure out, you know, who was who's going to shoot in what order. You know, is the offense going to go in? And maybe me, I'm just biased, you know, because I'm not biased, but maybe I'm just, you know, recency bias is a better word to use because Curry just lit us up and Thibault had like another shitty game. Thibault just, I wish he would do something like a little bit more consistently offensively. Like if he can't ball handle, he can't shoot. And the only time he scores is if he's out on a fast break steal or if he gets a lob attempt. Like, the thing, and the th- if his defense is not. Like, his defense wasn't great on Thursday night. Like, he got a couple of pick of cheap fouls, and I get it, Kyrie's just going to do that to you. But, like, he really didn't sh- – if he's not being an elite defender on the defensive end, he's a like zero out there, and it's basically like you're playing with Ben Simmons yet again at four-on-five offense. The thing about Curry, and it's like I said earlier, Curry got hot because he didn't have to do anything on the defensive end. The ball barely got in Maxie's hands. So Curry barely had to work on the other end, on the other side of the court, and that was the issue. Curry had plenty of energy to be able to get up them three-point shots. I've seen in the past when Curry was on the Sixers where Curry would go up against a guy that would work him, and Curry would be so damn tired from working on defense, he's not that damn effective on offense. So Bible just has to shoot that three, that come in, become that three and D player that we need on the perimeter. I like agree he's got with the you. defense locked down, but he has nothing offensively. I agree yeah. with you that Matisse does need to step up, but in my personal opinion, I think this is more on Doc. This loss was more on Doc Rivers than anybody else. Yes, the players struggled, but Doc Rivers failed to see we, who the hot hand was, stuff, and that so was Tobias. Hmm? Like we all know, Doc is terrible. I, I think I might. That's still uh, not an excuse. The random fan out there, they're probably like, oh, whatever, Doc is Doc. But we know Doc sucks. We have to win in spite of Doc, in my opinion. But that's yeah. an excuse. You're still the head. He's still the head coach. Yeah. The thing the thing with me and the Sixers team is that in order to be a good team with veterans on the squad and youth and the infusion of youth that this team is attempting to do, you have to mirror those veterans. You have to learn from the veterans. But you take a look at the stats sheet and you see Joel Embiid, four turnovers. James Harden, four turnovers. DeAndre Jordan, four turnovers. I mean, 18 turnovers in total for team-wise and 32% uh, shooting. And this is you, – you can't beat a Nets team like that. And you can't build off anything when you can't start something to begin with. All these turnovers. I mean, James Harden – looked awful especially in the first half of this game with the amount of turnovers he had it was like what are you doing and then these younger guys come in and we have to judge them as well but you look at the veterans like Joel Embiid he played good still but the turnovers four turnovers and it's just it's it's hard for these guys to build off of that when there was no momentum in the beginning yeah, smart for Doc to pull the plug, I think, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I heard some people out there say, oh, he should have kept the starters out there. I had an issue with it. Over. I had you know, an issue with it. Yeah, but see, the game was over, though. It, the it, game was over. We, there was no way in hell we were coming back. MB could get a knee injury. I mean, who knows what happened. For the me, game was over. For me, that's just like a give-up spirit, though. Like, I, I, that just didn't sit right with me. It, it truly did. I just we felt like, gave like up. near 30 points, damn near 30 points in the fourth quarter. I understand that. But like he, he started really, he started pulling the players earlier than the fourth quarter. He started pulling them like in, in the middle of the third. And I'm just like, dude, you're, you're you've given up. And I, Tanner, what do you think? Lost you think respect that he should have let the starters out there. That game was it. It, it was not worth Joel and B getting injured. I, I hear what y'all saying. Trust me and believe me. I, I hear exactly what y'all saying. I just feel like doc just gave up too quickly. And like, that's just that's never gonna sit right with me. It's not. That's fair. I mean, that, that's fair. Yes, you know, you fair. don't want to. You don't want to look like you're throwing in the towel. Right. But in terms of future uh, for this team, definitely the safe decision uh, to at least sit Joel and Embiid. Now, maybe keep Harden out there a little longer, which also doesn't make sense. But 
I mean, 29 point loss. It's just, it's rough. And you're going back to the drawing board after. How about Kyrie Irving, though? I mean, that dude is so skilled. Off I thought he was going to score 100 points by the way he started off that game. I mean, he could not miss a shot on the ground, high. makes it. Eyes closed, make it. I mean, it was yeah. incredible. You know, Durant started off the game, what, six for six? Durant. Yeah. Just and then and there's nothing you can do with that. I mean, both of those guys, if you're arguing who's the better duo, Kyrie or KD, compared to Embiid or Harden, after that game, most people might tell you Kyrie and KD. And I, I wouldn't really argue with that because you're talking about two of the most skilled offensive players out there. And when that intensity picks up, like that game looked like it meant more to them because they were locked in on the defensive end as well. And you know, if you're playing the the Wizards or the Magic in a regular season game and the Nets probably just say to themselves screw it I don't really care but when they're playing the Sixers the way they came out the intensity they brought I just felt like they they were going to win that game from this tip and they just had more effort overall than the Sixers did but with Durant and and with Curry and Kyrie just the amount of skill that they bring from an offensive standpoint at least Curry from beyond the arc but of course KD basically gets to wherever he wants on the floor and he's able to shoot over everybody I think it's just a wake-up call in the sense that those guys are still going to be dominant. And as if this you know, New York restriction is lifted and the Kyrie can play in the home games, that's just going to become an even bigger issue for the Sixers. And I, Doc Rivers, I don't have any confidence in him able to fix this problem. Like a coach in this situation, when you have the firepower the Sixers do, he better be able to take them and mold them into beating the Nets. And I just don't trust him to be able to do so. And I'm not saying Steve Nash is this wizard, but – Doc is just not the answer at head coach. I, I just feel like he's not in my, yeah, he's not, he's not the answer at coach. Yeah. And, yeah. And, All right. I mean, listen, and I think going forward, we, we know that, but at the end of the day, he's got to prove it, prove it on the court. And, and the Sixers, again, they're, they've, they've played cupcake teams, the Knicks, the T-Wolves and whatnot leading up to this Nets game. It just didn't go right. So that we don't, we don't see the Nets again in the regular season. But uh, we, we do see a couple of good opponents still. I think Miami again, and, and we'll see how we match up. But yeah. uh, we want to transition here. Let's talk about some quarterback talk. Let's talk about stuff that's going on in the NFL. You know, Khalil Mack gets traded, and it's like brushed under the rug because, you know, Russell Wilson gets traded and Rodgers resigns and whatnot. So, uh, obviously, Deshaun Watson as well, not going to face criminal charges, it looks like. So, there's potential here for an Eagles trade. I don't believe Howie Rosen is going to use all three of those first-round picks. The question is, what is he going to trade and what is he going to give up? I think Calvin Ridley was an option on the table. We know that he's not an option anymore because of the gambling issues, but it looked like Howie Roseman may have been willing to give up some first-round picks for a receiver, and is he still having that mindset for a top-notch receiver, or has his focus now shifted to looking for that quarterback? I mean, you're looking for anything possible that you can grab at this point. Um, you you lost on Russell Wilson. Jay, just like you know, the Eagles, they suck. They just need anything they could get. Yeah, pretty much. They, they, yeah. I mean, you lost out on Russell Wilson. Well, Russell Wilson waived his no trade clause to go to Denver. Which let me let me just stop there and talk about that for a second. Russell Wilson, in my opinion, just made the dumbest decision of his career. Wow, too really. Think about. No, just no, no. Everybody listen. Everybody listen and think about what I'm about to say. And I need y'all to listen attentively to this. I'm not even wanting to listen because it's just so preposterous. Max, shut the hell up. So anyway, (laughs) how many franchise quarterbacks are in the NFC? You can name two off the top of your head. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers and and, Stafford. Yeah, and Matthew Stafford is arguably. So is there any other franchise quarterbacks in the NFC? No, which means all the rest of those slots are wide but for Dak playoff Prescott. slots are wide open. Dak Prescott. Dak, Dak, Dak Prescott. Oh, Dak Pre- oh, shut up. Dak Prescott just couldn't even sniff Aaron Rodgers' bootstraps. Please. Wow. Anyway, look at, look at the competition that he has to go through in the AFC. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Justin Herbert. You got Derek Carr. You got Joe Burrow. You, that's just four quarterbacks right there. And there's some, and Josh Allen. That's five quarterbacks right there that you have to fight with for a playoff spot. Not to mention the fact that Matt Jones and the Patriots are not starting to get their oh, shit together. Oh, All I'm saying is Russell Matt Wilson Jones. should have thought about his decision going to the, going to an AFC team because now he's got a hell of a comp, he's got a hell of a time going to, Tried to take the Denver Broncos to the playoffs. Broncos were a quarterback away. See, they're not opinion. a quarterback that, away. They're they not. They got a defense that's sturdy as a birdie. They, they have a decent defense yes. out there. You know, you got Cortland Sutton. I mean, the guy's a stud, and he sucked last year because the quarterback play was horrible. You got Jerry Judy. No offense, gone in this trade, but it doesn't matter because look at that rushing attack you got. 
Obviously, they had Javante Williams, and he broke out as a pass catcher and as a rusher a season ago. He was a stud. I think the Broncos have a legitimate shot in the AFC now that Russell Wilson comes to town. But the rumors were Russell Wilson was, you know, you basically gave up on the season, apparently, in Seattle. That rumor came out yesterday. He just quit on some of the players when he realized they were out of playoff contention. But I think this is a great trade for the Broncos. You get, yes, another player in there that maybe gets the – like the Broncos aren't the number one team where people think about where it's like, oh, I'm fired up about the Denver Broncos. Nobody's like that. But now you get a face of the one of the – I guess I won't come a face of a league, but a Super Bowl champion, a future Hall of Famer. Max, Can't go wrong. Max, you're at a division that has Derek Carr – Justin if, Herbert if and Bronco Patrick Mahomes. Right now, if you're a Bronco fan right now, you're sitting there, you're like, ah, shit, we got Russell Wilson, man. I wish we kept those first-round picks. Yeah, you know what they're also saying? We got $26 million to spend on some new targets or new pieces for this team. And you think that's going to be enough to stop Patrick Mahomes? T. T. Mahomes wasn't that amazing in the playoffs last Did year. You know? You're acting like Patrick Mahomes is Thanos when we've been proven that he can be beat. If if Patrick Mahomes won a division, which he did, which means now you're not vying, now you have to vie for a wild card spot, which is on, which is only three of them, and hell, the other two teams in your division can technically still make that make the wild card on top of the other teams in the AFC. All I'm hey, saying is he's got a hey, hell of a climb. Do you, yeah. Would you trade two firsts, two seconds, and uh, like a, another position player for Russell Wilson? If you're the Eagles. For the Eagles? Yeah. Um, if I'm the Eagles, I'm making the decision. I would not. Uh, because I am for building around young talent like Jalen Hurts. You have Russell Wilson. You give a lot for Russell Wilson. He plays what? What do we think? In three? Three more seasons? Three, four, yeah. And then you're back at, well, is this guy that's been sitting on the bench, is he going to be able to step in? Because Russell Wilson so far has not missed a lot of games. Right. Um, But if you had the Broncos roster, then it's a different story. Right. It is a different story, but we're talking about the Eagles here. I mean, they're, they're, they're more than just that, that veteran. They're not in the spot, in my opinion, to bring in that veteran quarterback. First of all, who's going to want to come here? They he didn't want them half the roster turned over. Yeah, Mike. exactly. But back to the Broncos, though, and what he was saying is that this team is not just a quarterback away. I think they're in a great position right now for Russ to come in and make them a playoff contending team because their offensive line is in good shape. That's something that Russell Wilson has been yeah. complaining about in Seattle. Now there are a few pieces away, maybe go out free agency, get um, what's his name, Morgan Moses. Yeah, um, nice and uh, bring him in. Yep. Build build up that offensive line, and I mean that's just that's just the, the best situation for Russ. And I talk about that cap space they have; they're they're already pretty set. The wide receiver group there. I mean, he's got to be excited to work with that young talent. But I mean, you're just pretty much at this point right now. You're building off of what are what you already have in good enough shape to start playing games. KJ Handler will be coming back off that injury too as a deep threat. Like they got some weapons in that offense. And they also got that offensive minded head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who's now the coach of the Denver Broncos. So no, no more Vic Fangio, no more defensive minded BS. This is an offensive minded league. Nobody cares about defense anymore. You got to go out there and put up points. And the Broncos have been built around defense the last few seasons. One of the main reasons why they actually won that Super Bowl. But now, you look at the quarterbacks around this league the last few years, we can all agree offenses just become more of a priority. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. I mean, the list goes on and on. Same thing with Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, Matt Stafford. I mean, listen, the reason the Rams won the Super Bowl is because they had the best of both worlds, of course, with some high-end defensive talent. But the Bengals hung in there in that Super Bowl, and they you know, were driving on that final uh, series of the game, just came up short. But when you look at top-notch teams around the league, you need that quarterback if you want to make a run into the playoffs. And that's why I just feel bad for the Eagles because they just don't have that guy right now, in my opinion. Well, no, they don't have that guy, in there, and they're still continuing to build, which is why this is probably not going to be the most popular thing in the world. As a matter of fact, it's not. But if I were Howie Roseman, I would try to do everything possible to get Deshaun Watson. I honestly mm-hmm. would. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I and, and, and once again, I'm going to lay out the scenario. Yes, today, and, and, finally, and, we're on the same page. <laughs> I like to hear. In the NFC, 
you have, once again, Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford as supposed franchise quarterbacks, and it, everybody else is iffy. And shoot, let's go even let's Man. go even deeper. Let's go into the division. If Deshaun Watson were to be traded here, automatically Deshaun Watson becomes the best quarterback in the NFC East. Not even close. It, it, it's not even close. He out. He's going to out Trump Carson. He's going to. Yep. We'll, we'll get to that later. We'll, he's going to out Trump Dak yep. Prescott. He's going to out yep. Trump Daniel Jones. So automatically, you can all you can almost mm. basically say that the division, the NFC East division, is ours every year. So. Mm. I mean, if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm I'm shooting my shot. I'm talking to Deshaun's agent. I'm like, look, look at the scenario. Look at the conference. Look at the division. You can literally almost damn near. Deshaun Watson, bro. You you can damn near walk into the Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson and some weapons. All right, T's talking about. Stop it, stop it. T's talking about walking into the Super Bowl. You're the Philadelphia Eagles. He just said walking into the Super Bowl. This is that's when the conversation ends right there. And then now I'm a guy <laughs> who's rooting for Jalen Hurts, of course. But as I, you know, I gave him that first year where it was like, okay, let, let's see what he has. Did he show us enough? Maybe not enough, um, but certainly uh, a good amount where it's like, oh, I'm not completely done with him. I don't want him just out of the city of Philadelphia yet. But when you talk about the situation with Deshaun Watson um, legally getting um, more, I guess you could say, cleared with that aspect, still still a few steps to go through with that. Okay, yeah, he's not going to prison. Right. Yeah, basically. Um, but Deshaun Watson, strong arm. Uh, we, we've seen his arm strength uh, when he's played. My concern is how long uh, he's not been playing for and whether or not he's still going to be that same guy when he walks out on the field. Jalen Hurts, huge problem with that arm strength and just his his target shoot. I feel like he was making very questionable throws the entirety of the season, but there was some times where he, he did it himself. A young player like him deciding to put that play in his hands and do what he did with the football at times was impressive. And when we're talking about bringing in another guy, uh, I don't want to talk about veterans anymore like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson, okay, I'll give you guys that. I won't argue that as much because, like you said, it it gives the Eagles at least the presence of having the best or second-best quarterback in the division. But it certainly does not give the Eagles the presence of walking into the Super Bowl. Not nearly I agree. Uh, I don't, they're not for them to, to just add to Sean Watson and assume that this team is just going to go power through the Super Bowl. There is plenty of different spots. I mean, we're going to have to talk about rebuilding this offensive line now. This I don't draft. think. Listen, I may resign Kelsey, which I wasn't in favor of. Fourteen million. Whoa, for whoa, Kelsey. whoa! Now we got to disagree. What you weren't in favor of? What? I just felt like Kelsey. Listen, I watched him get absolutely mauled and have how many penalties in that playoff game. Listen, I think he's a great player. He's been done a lot for this city, but time to move on. Take that 14 mil and give me another weapon on the defensive side of the ball. Move Dickerson over to center. And I think our offensive line is one of our strengths of the team. We need some more talent on the defense. Take. We have nobody to rush the passer. We don't have any linebackers. And now we just pay 14 mil to a guy who's like 37 years old. I'm not, I don't like it. I'm not arguing with you about the fact that, yeah, the defense and it's, there's pieces on the, on the offensive side that needs work. I'm not arguing with you about that. What I am arguing with is I think you undervalue the presence that Jason Kelsey has on that offensive line. I mean, shoot, you want to talk about his performance in the playoffs? Where the hell, how many centers do you know that can really stand up against Vita Vea? Let's be honest no, here. No, nobody can. I get that. But he just got mauled like a bulldozer, Who? What dude. center like, wouldn't get smoked by Vita Vea? He's one of the best nose tackles in the game today. Yeah, I get it, T. I get it. Trust me. I understand. And I'm, not, I'm nit- we're nitpicking here. Like, it's it's a contract where it's like you either agree or you disagree. I'd rather have that money spent elsewhere. I'm not super passionate about this topic. But you have guys like even your starting defensive line. Those guys suck anymore. You know, you have Fletcher Cox who can't really play at a high level. You don't have anyone who knows what Brandon Graham is going to be like when he comes back. You have guys that you have bodies, I should say, that can at least step in and play serviceably in place of Kelsey. You don't have anything on that defensive line right now. Like, I don't see. I mean, the only guy I point to, I'm like, all right, I got he's got my back. Josh Sweat. That's probably it. Javon Hargrave. Like, listen. 
he had a couple of solid games to start the year last season, but at the end of the day, the last like half of the year plus, he just was non-existent. And maybe that's because Fletcher Cox was, you know, not double teamed anymore. They were double teaming Hargrave. Fletcher Cox still couldn't be his man one on one. But Josh Sweat was ma- the mainstay on that defensive line. And I just don't want to watch Alex Singleton playing in my in my Eagles jerseys anymore. Like I just don't <laughs> want to see his body in the Eagles uniform. I'm sorry. He's a good tackler. You know, he's a good player overall. But if we're we're, tra- we're talking about making having difference makers on this team, you know, and I don't think he's a difference maker. And Darius Slay, another guy we haven't even mentioned, this guy's 31. How many years does this guy have left playing at a Pro Bowl level? I, I see what the market is on Darius Slay right now. See if you can get a second round pick, somebody high that you can go out there and you can make another pick for. Because right now, after him, you have Steven Nelson, who's a free agent. We don't even know if he's going to come back. And behind him, who do you got? Zach McFinn, a third round pick. Come on. But that's the but see you just answered your own you just answered my question and and I was going to ask you who well who the hell is behind Darius Slay you're talking about trading away still one of the best corners in the NFL who yeah. the hell are you going to get to replace Darius Slay like, not to mention the fact that Patrick Steven Sertan, Nelson is a free agent what if we had Patrick Sertan on this team like it just takes one hit is my point like you can you can replace a corner if you hit on it if we have Patrick Sertan right now you got a guy that's 22 23 years old or whatever. And he's just going to be absolutely dominant the next 10 years. So Max, it's not like you can't go out there and you can't hit on a pick. As well, as Max, pick. yeah, but who is who was drafting Max? That I think that's the that's the part oh, yeah. where you're like, you're forgetting. We're going Who's in circles drafting? at this point. We're going in circles here with, with this because we all know how Rosen sucks and everything's a trickle down effect after that. So if you no one has confidence in the drafting of Howie Roseman, then what's the point of even having a conversation about the birds? You know what I mean? Because our opinions, yeah, we like to give them, but they don't. We're not the ones making the decisions in the draft room. So if we're if Howard Roseman is going to draft well, then there's really no point. There's nothing we can do. That's the thing. Like it, and then you have to go out and free. You're going to have to go out and free agency and fill out some of these holes. I agree with you. The defense looks very bad. I mean, this is the worst the defense Terrible. I think has I've I've seen in my life. I mean, there's there's yeah. question marks at every position. Damn near every starting position. Rodney McLeod might not even be back. We get rid of Malcolm Jenkins, you know, the safeties, the linebackers. Uh, TJ Edwards played well. Let's not give him credit, but uh, we still need some more help. We didn't go out there. Or, I mean, Bobby Wagner is available, looking like he might get signed by the Cowboys. I know he's an option, yes. and there's going to be some guys who are going to get cut. But the, the pass rushing is my main concern, right? We need to get a pass rusher yep. in this draft. I agree. I'm glad you guys talked about this because doesn't it seem even more of not the smartest decision to focus all your your picks, all your money on one guy, one quarterback, and pay him a lot rather than focus on all these different holes you guys made um, the problem that you guys show, were showing that, I mean, there's guys on the line that are aging. What are we going to do with the offensive line? Lane Johnson's old. Kelsey, one more year. Brooks, not here anymore. Max goes on to the other side with defense. All the holes with the defense. We're talking about secondary. I mean, there is so much to focus on with this team. Why change when you have at least one guy that can fill in the spot temporarily? I guess you could say until maybe he proves himself even more. Um, Rather than losing that, not being able to get um, young talent high in the draft, and that's just that's just the way I'm thinking about it. It's smart, but it goes back to the draft process. Like you trust how Roseman hit those draft picks. Like I'd rather get the established guy out in Houston right now, bring his ass in here and start dominating this division from the ground up. After that, like he's just gonna make everybody around him better. He's a top five quarterback in the league. I still have confidence in his ability. And I'm willing to take that risk. But you make a great point. Yeah, like I'm with you 100. percent The defense is horrible. You know, you can only really look at two or three guys. Uh, Based on the eleven who play on the field, that are like okay, those guys are those guys are plug and plays. But other than that, I would love to get out of that Fletcher Cox, you know, contract slash get him off the team. However you want to word it. Well, there is a rumor. Love- there is a rumor um, that Fletcher Cox is being shopped around. As a matter of fact, there was a rumor back during the season that Fletcher Cox was on the trade block, um, and it was possible that he was going to be traded before the trade deadline. So they're looking to off that contract of his and get him off the books. Unfortunately, he's not the, the same player that he was before. He's not. Mm-hmm. And 
He might I have. Think to, they, yeah. they might have tried to trade him in the in the season last year. Just they did. They couldn't Before, get what they wanted. You yeah. Know? So that's what kind of my main concern is now too. Will they get what they actually want? The thing is, no, they're not because the Fletcher Cox doesn't have the same value that he had before he's not the same dominant yeah. problem on the defensive line that he was in years past teams see that and then and they also see that you're desperate to try to get rid of him and that contract which decreases his value even more you're not going to get what you want from fletcher cox you're really not well you know let's see we'll see because we got to get to this mlb lockout situation but we can go on and on real quick yeah tanner go ahead real fast well let's get into this emotional topic for you max this Uh-oh. Carson White. We're talking <laughs> about football. Let's rip off. The Yo, I was, that's why I kind of wanted to skip over this. <laughs> yeah, let me let me run through the details real quick with the trade and the numbers. I tried to hit as many as I could. Forgive me if I forget one, but Carson Wentz, we all know, traded to the Colts um, from the Eagles. We're going years back. We're starting this the trade um, history with him. Traded to the Colts for the third and and what ended up being a first round pick. Thanks to him playing over 75%. Appreciate you, Carson. Um, and then now traded to Washington. The Colts get a 2022 second and a 2022 third. That can become a second if he plays 70%. And Washington also gets a second round pick, but they have to pay $28 million uh, to Carson Wentz. Who's the loser out of these three teams who lost? <laughs> the commanders lost. Um, I don't know. You could argue the Colts lost too, because they lost. They didn't make, even make the playoffs in the one season, and then they got to they got to just trade them away immediately. I I see what you're saying, right, T? Because they got to pay Wentz twenty million now, and they have him on the team, so it could go both ways. Yeah, I think the Commanders lost in this situation because yeah, you're taking on a twenty eight million dollar contract, then you giving up so many draft picks to acquire him. I mean, and he's not even worth that. Let's be honest here. Carson Wentz is not the same player that he once was before. There's been a lot of issues, and there's been a lot of things to come out in these recent weeks about Carson Wentz in terms of his attitude and the way he approaches players. I mean, hell, I've, same stories. I've it's read the a, same stories from I, Philadelphia. I've read an article where. You know, he had a problem with the Super Bowl run that we were on in 2017 and the fact that he wasn't at the helm and the player to confront him was is rumored to be Darren Sproles. And Darren was like, yo, man, you need to, you know, shut the hell up and, you know, appreciate the fact that you on this damn team, you know, shut the F up for life. Like it's 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 sad. The fall from grace that Carson has had. And it it, it the crazy part is he, it seems like he doesn't get the point. He's not looking at himself in the mirror. This is your third team in three seasons. That's not good. Not to mention yeah. the fact that you couldn't even take the Colts to the playoffs when a an old-ass Philip Rivers the, the year previous took them to the playoffs. You had one game to now. win against Jacksonville. Get him twice a year. Get them twice a year now. So, so the, we'll see, T. I mean, we'll see. I mean, listen, is, is the optics good from the outside looking in? No, of course not. But – the guy is still below the age of 30. He's in a new team, his third team in three years. There's a reason for that as well. And you're right. He's not the same player he once was. But if you're Washington, it's a better move than Taylor Heineke, whoever the hell else bummed you. Yeah, I agree. You get no argument for me on that. T, I mean, Tanner sounded like he disagreed for a well, second. Well, listen, it, Washington, they're getting – I mean, you're getting a little bit better of a quarterback. I mean, it's not like so much better where you're like, all right, Boom, he's a starter. The only reason you can say that Carson Wentz is the official starter is because of the amount of money they're paying him. You, you go ahead and you give these guys, which is unrealistic, but say you give these guys Heineke, Carson Wentz, the same amount of money, and you have them in the quarterback room and you're trying to figure out who's going to be a starting quarterback. I mean, we've seen Carson Wentz in situations where he sort of competes for that, that starting spot. And he flounders and he he doesn't do well under pressure, uh, this and that. Heineke is not a bad quarterback. I mean, he was impressive down the stretch, too. The throws he was making, um, it definitely did not seem like a guy that they pulled out of a college class to come and be their their starting quarterback. To me, it's Washington, you're paying $28 million because you're also paying that that bonus. You the uh, Washington gets on to that yeah. bonus. Uh, that saves the Colts $13 million. Also, they don't have to pay him the bonus. Just to have a quarterback that's like a little better than what you have right now. Might not be worth it in the long run, but I think right now, short term for them, I think we all can all agree Taylor Heineke's not really that good. 
Um, I know you're trying to make it sound, but I don't know what he's it not is bad. He's, he's not, not he's bad. I'm not bad. saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's bad, but he's not good. Carson not, Wentz isn't good, good either. He's not taking you to the playoffs. Wentz hasn't been good either. But I think if you're a Washington fan right now, I'd rather have Wentz at, at the helm and Taylor Heineke not. Now, do I feel good about him? I sit here like, yeah, Carson Wentz. Let's take. Let's go to the playoffs. Probably not. But you got to start somewhere. Ron Rivera's a good coach. You never know there. I, I know the Frank Wright connection there. People want to go back. Oh, you know, he's got his. He's back with his man, Frank Wright. Obviously, that didn't work out. I don't think it's going to work out in Washington either. Look at the talent they have around him. He's got Terry McLaurin and a bunch of nobodies. Well, that's the unfortunately that's the issue that he's that he put himself in. Especially if these rumors are true and these articles are true about his attitude, he did this to himself. And that's I don't feel sorry for him. I don't like I had this. Can't man feel sorry for him. The guy's making twenty million dollars, twenty eight million, and he's a quarterback in the NFL. No I mean, one feels sorry for him. Besides the contract, you know, this is a man that Max, me and you defended to the ends of the earth. We were just like you know when everybody was against Carson, we were just like. We were adamant about you know defending him, and it's just he did lose to the Jaguars. He did lose to the Jaguars. I get that. It's disappointing. But it's it going to be interesting to see because I know Tanner. You know he's got the season tickets, so he's going to get to see Carson again probably this year, depending on job situation and whatnot. But it'll be pretty cool to see uh, once coming back to Philadelphia. I wonder what the response is going to be. Who's going to get more boost, Wentz or Ben Simmons? Yeah, it's probably Simmons. De- it's probably dead even in my opinion. No, I think I think Ben Simmons still will get more booze if it's a you know we see that. Got to remember, Wentz's play was a main reason why the Eagles won the Super Bowl. You know, so maybe he won't get booed as much just because he, in a way, helped bring the city. But the way, but the way he left, the the way he left, still leaves a sour taste in Philly fans' mouth. Crybaby Wentz, yeah, we remember it. We'll see. Remember, but this is a huge revenge tour for Carson Wentz too. I mean, he's going back to the Colts. Um, he's playing the Eagles twice. Uh, this is a big opportunity for him. And I'm excited. Max, Max I'm excited does this mean you're going to be a Washington Commanders fan? <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. That name is so stupid. What a what a horrible name they chose. I'd rather just we know it's with hard. The Washington football team. I mean, that was that was starting to flow off the tongue a little bit better, and now I got to call them the <laughs> the Commanders. The commanders. It's it's pretty interesting. Uh, and, and interesting. I mean, it's horrible, but. Uh, you know, we'll move on. We'll move on. All right. Well, quick talk, touch here on the lockout. Baseball's back. Thank God, because we really needed it. And I think it's going to be improved. You know, they're going to get rid of the shift after this year. It's That'll about help damn time. Play more. Maybe T won't fall asleep in the fourth inning anymore. We'll be able to watch a full game. So there's going to be some more runners on base. They still have to do something here with the pitch clock as far as getting the pitches out more quickly. And I think they have to cut down on this strikeout and home run ratio. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I hope that that'll, you know, be better because they're going to eliminate the shift. And again, that's not going to happen this year. It's going to happen the year after. But no more runner on second base and extra innings and double headers are going to be nine innings again. So I think there's definitely some room for for the improvements that are made here as far as people actually, in, you know, accepting it and, and enjoying, you know, the decisions that were made and the fact that baseball is just going to be played. So first and foremost, I do not like the fact that the shift is um, going away. I don't because really? that, I don't Tanner, like it. Tanner, I, come on. I don't come like on, it because it takes gone. away it takes away from the strategy of the game. If a, if a team is shifting on you, that I means that they know that you favor a certain side. You're going to hit towards a certain side. So as a player, what am I going to do? If they're shifting against me, I need to figure out a way how to hit to the opposite field. You're taking away strategy from the game. That's stupid. What's the point of being a player if you're not going to strategize? I, I would agree. If this was last year, I probably would agree with you. Here's the thing. Like, they're not even playing positions anymore. Like, you know, you play a quarterback. You play a center. Like, you have positions on a team. Shifting, what position are you playing? You're not even playing a position. Like, there's a shortstop for a reason. There's a third bait. You're playing a certain position. Now, here's what I'll say. If you – the rule can be, you know – and, this, again, T, I get what you're saying 100%. You know, adjust. If you have guys on the right side of the infield, the hitter must adjust in order to get on base. Yeah, I it's get a that. strategy. It's a 100%. strategy. But this is not more for the game. This is more for just the the love and the and the you know entertainment value of the game of baseball. I people are just going to watch more, be more in, entertained with more people on base. You know, runs being scored, not just strikeouts left and right. Balls are going to be put in play, and there's going to be hits there. And I know you might not like it because the hitters are getting away with some little things here. and They're not going to have to – they're going to cheat their way into some hits, in your opinion. And I get that side of it. But for the game itself, this needed to happen in order for, you know, 
more people and the fan base to continue to grow. I understand all that. I, and I, I hear you. I just don't it's agree with that rule. It's more of a big picture look. It's more of a big picture I understand, and I, I just don't agree with that rule. But at the same time, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't give a damn about baseball. This this <laughs> lockout has, take, has taken my love away of baseball away from me. It, it truly oh, has. That's hilarious. It's, like it, it, You had millionaires fighting with billionaires over what? It, the, a deal so that everybody a deal that everybody made up already that it took y'all ninety nine days for y'all to finally come together, put your eagles to the side and come together. Look at the hell. I mean, there. see, there was so much. There's so much to get on the same board with with revenue sharing um and all those rules in between because in the middle, I didn't think I mean I thought there was gonna be a another twelve days at least. Yeah, uh, with this lockout because of how far they were with mm. uh, money and, and figuring out the um, taxes and such like that, where I mean, you look ahead and the the players they want a certain thirteen million dollar difference uh, with a contract in that aspect, and then the owners are like, "Well, you guys get bigger bases, so I mean, like uh, we're kind of even with that." I mean, it was just a back and forth. Nothing was getting done. Yeah. Uh, you would stupid. go in 17 hours. The players met for nothing happened. It, it was just I'm very surprised that we're talking about how baseball is on. But there's so much now that needs to be done. We're talking free agency, arbitration. It's stupid. Oh, this is hot. I'm hyped. Because, I'm so I mean, hyped. I love baseball. Um, I mean, it's not my number one sport. I'm more of a football over baseball guy. But um, I mean, this is and people that don't watch baseball. I mean, this is going to be confusing. We're talking about you know revenue sharing, securing visas, and stuff like that uh, with arbitration as well. But these players, and this is the biggest part for me, they have not met with their team this entire time. They're not on the same page. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how these guys are going to be able to get back, adapt, yep. and, and be able to play baseball with one another. I mean, I'm sure the players have been meeting. But getting on the same page back with the coaches and the ownership and, and stuff like that, it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt. I mean, you, Let me ask you this question, too, because you have Joe Girardi, who's come under a lot of heat the past couple of years. Yeah. I think this is going to help him because he's an American League manager at heart. He won the titles with the Yan- or the title with the Yankees. He was a player in the American League with the Yankees. He managed all those years in the American League with the Yankees. And now coming to the National League, it's a totally different ball game with no DH. Now there's a universal DH there. Pitching changes and whatnot, uh, double switches kind of are out of play now. I think this is going to benefit Joe Girardi. I think it's going to help him as a manager, and I expect an improvement this year. I think we can all benefit from the fact that Reese Hoskins don't have to play first base. I would trade Reese Hoskins, actually, on that note, uh, because now we're (laughs) going to try to dive in here to some of the needs this team actually has, and center field and left field are two big-time needs. Alec Bohm can't play third base, so he's going to have to play first base. He's probably – and listen – he had a small sample size of first base last year, ten RT. We know that, and we know that Reese Hoskins is pretty horrible as a defensive first baseman. So if the, he's going to stick around, he's going to have to play DH, and Bohm will play first. But that's not to say Bohm is some superstar defensive first baseman either. We'll no. have to see his growing process over the offseason and in spring training to see if he's a legitimate first base threat or not. Because if he's not, that's when you talk about trading Reese Hoskins, moving Bohm to the designated hitter, which is ridiculous, by the way, considering he was a third round or third overall pick. You need him on the field. And then saying, hey, do you sign Chris Bryant? Do you sign Nick Castellanos or someone along those lines? Yeah. Well, real quick, one of the last times we heard from Dombrowski was when he was assessing the needs for this Phillies team, a middle-of-the-order bat, um, a closer, and a leadoff hitter were on his list of needs And they got Corey Knable, right? Corey Knable is going to be the closer, I believe. Exactly. Um, Do you guys think that this list should stretch farther with the top three definite concerns on this team. I mean, we already assessed that that closer spot, but what do you guys think needs there's, to be on that list? There's also the Kyle Schwarber thing too, right? Because he literally went right. like 30 or 40 home runs last year, but he hit him out of the leadoff spot, which is pretty ridiculous. That goes back to what you're saying with the leadoff hitter. It was crazy to see how dominant he was from a leadoff standpoint uh, in Washington last year. So he's another name to look at. Well, it, it, here's another issue that I'm gonna, unfortunately I'm going to have to, you know, bring up. 
with, you know, baseball coming back, guys with visas aren't going to be able to just readily come over here. As a matter of fact, one of our own pitchers, Ranger Suarez, he's going to have, he's having issues getting his visa. So he's probably not going to be ready right. for the next couple of months. So. I heard about that too. He'll have to come over uh, when he's eligible and also work his way up as a pitcher to get back into that rotation. Right. Now, I'm signing pitchers left wherever I can, you know, left and right here. You got to bulk up the bullpen. You're going to have Sam Coonrod and guys that you probably forgot about even existed come back and play. But also, a trade probably has to be made. You can't sign all these players. But I'm still waiting for that first domino to fall. You had Kershaw go back to the Dodgers yesterday. You have Freddie Freeman who might be out going out there as well, which would be good for the Bills because he would move out of the NL East. Well, I have a question for you guys. Do you bring back McCutcheon or no. Herrera or Brad <laughs> yeah. Miller? No, those guys are so terrible uh, at this point in their careers. What about Archie Bradley? Um, you know, Archie Bradley, who was – you know what? Archie Bradley, I could possibly yeah, bring have back. Yeah, I'm with that. And here's why. Um, he, he – listen, he was hurt a little bit last year, and I think he came back from injury maybe too soon. It just wasn't 100%. looked like his velocity was down on his pitches. But McCutcheon, I know he's your boy. He was my boy, too, for a lot of years. He just doesn't have it anymore from a speed standpoint, oh, yeah, yeah. from a batting standpoint. Nope. But um, I think, and I'm not saying he's going to be a designated hitter, but it's, he should still find a job somewhere else in this league. I just think we got to get younger, and I think we need somebody that can cover ground out in the outfield. And I hate spending big money on outfielders because there's so much more important pieces to a team than outfielders. Uh, you can find guys for low-end contracts or even draft picks that you bring up from the minor leagues that can play the outfield position. But don't you guys agree that pitchers are more important? So, position players as far as third base are more important. Also? So based off of your statement, you don't like the fact that uh, your boy Bryce Harper got the contract that he got. Well, there's exceptions. Oh, now there's exceptions. Oh, see, exceptions I, now I see how this works. player ever. Oh, now I see how this the works. The of the league. There's it's an outrage. We make exceptions for those guys, all right? But Don't we'll keep in touch. We'll, I mean, listen, we'll keep continuing to talk about it, of course. And now I'm sure by the next week, I'm hoping that the Phillies make a signing or two and have something to talk about there as well. So it's, it's I want winners. That's worth noting. But on that note, T, let's shut it down. All right, you guys missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. We are available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the entire Shabazz. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm happy baseball is back, ultimately. I'm disappointed that it took this damn long, but still. Just I was saying. over here expecting to watch bowling. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I was mentally prepared for that. March Madness right around the corner. Let's go. Yes. I want winners. I'm embarrassed. Give me a green right slot. Spider 2 Y banana. Is that like a wide ass comment? No.